0: episode of The Brew Deck. I'm your host for today's episode, Toby Tucker. Really uh, excited to have Victoria Pritchett on with us this week to talk hops. I know everybody's excited about that, change of pace. How you doing, Victoria?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: Victoria, have you ever heard of uh, the term country strong?
1: Country strong? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, far, so uh, the Titans game.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well, might that have seen it recently. <laughs> no, country strong to me is like, It's like, it's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger strong or somebody that benches like 400 pounds. Mm -hmm. It's like guys and girls that you wouldn't normally think that are super strong that come out and just kick your ass. It's just, it's like, there's two people that I don't really want to mess with in a street fight. Number one is like wrestlers uh, (laughs) because you know, their whole mantra and game plan is to take you down on the ground and and you're just, you're screwed then. But the, the other is the country strong folks. They don't look like they're strong, but they will certainly put a, put a whipping on you real quick. <laughs> and you know, brewers that walk up and down these steps every day to the brew deck hauling 55 pound bags and, you know, pounds and pounds of hops and whatnot. It's crazy. Like those people are country strong for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to mess with a brewer that spends so much time in the heat on their feet, hauling hoses around. It's crazy. Like super strong. You ever seen them like, you know, scaled up and down, specifically down the brew deck? They don't even use their feet. It's just kind of like they slide with their hands down about 12 steps. It's crazy.
1: Don't underestimate the brewer,
0: huh? Gosh, I know. You know, and, it, and I, I'm thankful every time I, I pour one for myself or have a beer, like, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Absolutely. Push it by brewers. Yep. Yeah. And if, for for those of the listeners who have never had the opportunity to Get real detailed and go back and see the process and how it's done. It's definitely uh, some newfound things for sure. Yeah, going back to it, Victoria Pritchett is the global director of hops for Country Mall Group. That is the correct title, right, Victoria? I know uh, you've been
1: a- I am the director of hops for North America.
0: Ah, just throw global in there; it sounds better. <laughs> oh, it's all good. No, Victoria has really done a fantastic job for us, and and to be all honest with everybody, and I've told you this before, you coming on and joining our hop team has has been a savior for sure. It's a lot of work, and especially with how hops have have shaped over the past five, ten years, and, and the onset kind of of the IPAs, and it's just it's it's awesome to have somebody like yourself on our team, uh, strictly organized and very much going to bat for not only uh, the brewers, but, uh, with our partnership with YCH as well. So enough of me talking, Victoria, tell us a little about yourself and kind of how you got into uh, your current position with country mall group.
1: Well, yeah, I've been with country mall group for over 10 years. I, uh, started as a procurement manager on the homebrew side and there was a, a need, um, to manage hops as a. We continue to grow that portion of our business and I came in, it was kind of a one-man show when I started and now there's a full hops team managing all of the contracts and all of the needs of our brewers and supporting our staff internally.
0: Gosh, it's like hundreds and hundreds. I know before you came on, we were trying to organize and manage these things uh, independently as territory managers and just files and files of like handwritten contracts. Yeah, a lot to manage. For sure. So for those that don't know, tell the listeners a little bit about Country Malt Group's partnership with Yakima Chief Hops and how that works.
1: Yeah, we are exclusively their North American distributor right now. We've been working with uh, Yakima Chief uh, Hops for nearly two decades now, and uh, the partnership remains very strong today.
0: For those of the folks who don't know about Yakima Chief Hops, it's been around a long time and really some quality products, great partnerships with uh, their growers and uh, really quality hops. So it's fantastic to have them on board. Do you have, you know, we're talking about hop harvest and typically we're all in 110% come, you know, August, September, et cetera, and have the opportunity to see a lot of it out there in, uh, in Yakima specifically. But because of this thing called the COVID, I don't know if you've heard of it, but you know, we're obviously hands tied behind our back this year, but do you have a fond memory of hop harvest from previous years that Uh, you can talk about? uh,
1: Many. I would say most, well, in general, I would say nothing beats bringing staff or someone to Yakima during harvest for the first time. Everyone's just really blown away. Specifically, remember bringing uh, the folks on my hops team there. I remember it laying in the grass in the, if you've been to Perrault Farms, the field's just magnificent, just laying there and drinking a fresh IPA. And it just, it really just brought a meaning to the work that we do each day, like being able to see it all in action, just really tied it together. And nothing beats the smell of Yakima during harvest. You've been there, you know, it's like every breath is like an IPA everywhere you go. (laughs) Whether you like that or not, uh, that's that's a different conversation. But I know I I do. And it's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed kind of walking up down where they're doing their uh, trials of some some potential new harvest, you know, in, in new varieties and be able to do, you know, Pick off a cone and and uh, pull it apart and do the rub and sniff. It's it's pretty cool. They do a fantastic job out there.
1: Oh yes, no that that field is amazing. All the new experimental varieties, where every plant is different. It's like a kid in a candy store.
0: Yeah. What's the watering hole out there that everybody goes to? There's a couple of them.
1: Oh, most notably Sports Center.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> and what is. is Sports
1: Center? Is the question. It is like a craft beer venue it's a karaoke place with pool halls and it's a diner it's kind of you would think it has an identity crisis but yet it seems to have that in itself is its identity <laughs> it's, yeah <laughs> it's a you, you can't really say you've experienced uh, yakma during harvest without stepping into sports center
0: yeah i would say if you, you head out there sometime in september it's ninety eight 98 brewers and they, I tell you what, they throw back some beer for sure.
1: Oh man, yes, for sure.
0: Well, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to get back out there. And and we uh, try to send groups of, of customers and folks out there every year to what we call hop selection, which is you know obviously very important to us, and, and it gives the customer the opportunity to get out there and and see the farms and and uh, you know learn about how to to rate and judge certain varietals and really have a hand in picking what country mall group. Uh, has available contract years going forward, so yeah, sure. maybe next year. Exactly. So in the in the beer industry, how, how is it that hop contracts communicate acreage dedicated to planting by the growers? I know, you know, unfortunately, I, I've been in yeah you know, NBAA meetings and in other uh, industry events where there are hop vendors out there encouraging folks not to contract. And I think that is just the wrong message to send to folks. So, you know, tying back to, to the growers, you know, what's that tie between the two? You know, as far as like contracting and what plan uh, growers put in the ground. To
1: me, it's kind of the basis of supply chain planning and management, you know, you know, we, we encourage customers to forward contract, you know, to contract uh, out into the future so that we can communicate that demand. Those contracts represent demand. We can communicate that up to supply chain. So this allows growers to plan and plant appropriately as we execute contracts or modify contracts up or down. That allows the farmers to adjust their acreage accordingly as well, up or down really what it boils down to is growers need to know what to grow and how much to grow. And to take it a step further, there's, you know, other parties in the supply chain. It really does help for uh, capacity planning, raw materials, planning and resources, et et cetera. So a lot of moving parts, but uh, to get it to work properly, there has to be planning.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And And it's not like a grower can throw in, you know, 40 acres of and of it's ready next year i mean it, it takes time for these plants to come to fruition and absolutely. have a, a viable product absolutely yeah yeah i think it's absolutely important and certainly discourage those who are you know buying on spot to continue to do so i mean look at contracting obviously you're uh you know you're securing some supply going forward especially if, if you've got some products or some staples in your lineup of uh, or portfolio of beers, you know, it's good to know that you, you have that and you're supporting, you know, the whole circle or the whole chain of, of um, you know, the growers as well. So, so, you know, you got a lot of brewers that'll say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to contract. I, I can find whatever I need on Lupulin exchange or, or other avenues, especially in a, a time like now or with, with the COVID, you know, a lot of people are either not brewing or brewing a lot less than they did. And, and selling some stuff in, in avenues on spot like that. So why contract instead of buying them on spot?
1: That is the complicated question, right? Um, let's let's start here. You know, first off, don't think there's anything wrong with picking up hops on the spot market. You know, whether that's through a distributor or via the Lubin Exchange. You know, if you find yourself in need of something on the fly or to kind of pick up things, you know, as as needed. The issue really is that the availability may be scarce. I know recently some people felt that with the citras and the mosaics, et cetera. And also the pricing is unpredictable, which has also been seen this year. The one thing I really like to call out, though, is the quality. You know, it may be low or maybe inconsistent. Quality does depend on, you know, who grew and processed the hops. It really depends on how the seller is caring for these hops. You know, have they consistently been in cold storage? I know right now our customers work with the Lupin Exchange uh, with uh, CMG. And, you know, those hops are shipped straight from CMG. So the quality uh, is more predictable. Uh, Going through the Lupin Exchange, they get processed and cold stored at YCH. They ship to us in refrigerated transport and they go directly into CMG's coolers. So that definitely can ensure that quality is consistent. The second portion of it is, you know, why contract? So that was really addressing the the spot portion of it. So why contract? It really is about what we just mentioned, a healthy, dependable supply chain. If brewers aren't contracting, that demand isn't being realized by farmers. Nobody knows. Nobody knows you need this. You know, it, it may cause gaps in availability. Many people that have been in the industry for, you know, over a decade have experienced major shortages and they've understood that some people have uh, realized shortages just by variety. You just gotta remember farmers will not grow hops just solely based on the hope that people will buy them. Like it's all really guided by contracting. There's also the whole level of fiscal responsibility. You know, contracts do provide fiscal stability, not only to the grower, so that they can, you know, invest in their infrastructure and you know their breeding programs, but also like brewers, it's really about, you know, fiscal stability is very important for brewers.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned the storage of hops as a part of overall quality assurance. When you buy on the secondary market, meaning hops being sold by other breweries who may have a surplus, you really never know for sure how that seller might have handled them. You know, did they keep them in the freezer or walk in cooler at The appropriate temperature the whole time they had them in their possession or did they run out of space and now they're just needing to to sell them and they've been sitting at room temperature. So with buying on contract or on spot from a supplier like ourselves, you definitely have that certainty that the hops have been in cold storage without interruption, really the entire time.
1: Definitely. And You know, my my final thoughts on this topic really are just remember that maybe we are in what is deemed a plentiful spot market now, but, you know, what is short or in long supply today, it may change in future years. It's never historically been consistent. Like there's never like the same long or the same short variety year over year. So you also don't want to over contract in fear that there's going to be a shortage that also creates problems with creating a market that's in surplus
0: yeah absolutely well on the sales side i know when we're meeting with customers we uh we we get a lot of questions about well number one you know what is this contract about how does it work but specifically you know how much should i book how far out should i book how much quantity et cetera, based on what i'm producing you get a lot of those questions, right? And, um, how do you manage and kind of look at somebody's production and talk to them about, Hey, you know, this is how far out we think you should contract and percentages and et cetera, et cetera.
1: I would say we encourage our customers to, I know both YCH and CMG encourage our customers to contract out three years. If you know what your needs are going to be further than that. Great. Um, but what we definitely recommend is the you know the first year is a hundred percent so right now for the upcoming 20 crop you should be a hundred percent contracted and know what you need
0: like a hundred percent of their expected usage hop that's right okay yeah
1: that's right and then the second year as these 75% and then subsequent years would be 50% we refer to this as like the step-down model so it just
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense Makes a lot of sense. So, so if I were a contract and then, I don't know, two years from now I realize that, wow, I'm sitting on a lot of excess hops, maybe the, the staple beer that I thought was going to stick around for longevity, just kind of decreased in popularity and my needs changed. What happens then?
1: First and foremost, you should, I, I always say these contracts are like living, breathing documents, ever changing. People's recipes change, their circumstances change. We understand that. The key is to be in communication with your supplier, uh, whether that's the hops person or the territory manager or whomever, and do a routine check-in. And there's a lot that we can do, especially with adequate notice. We can make variety swaps, reductions or additions with adequate notice. I, you know, I know, and the key word here is adequate notice. It's really challenging when a brewer comes to us and it's two years past when they realize that they're in a long position, it's harder to work with them. But if we get ahead of it, we're making changes to the forward contracts today. That's really going to balance out the situation with CMG. And I know YCH as well. Like we are always willing to work with brewers who proactively address their contract rebalancing needs
0: always. Yeah, it's like communication is key. It's like a healthy marriage. Absolutely, communicate the 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 better you can accomplish what you need. You know, obviously there's the sexy hops out there. You know, we've got people asking all the time. Well, why can't I get Galaxy or Nelson Sauvin? Or obviously there's limited supply. But tell me, and I'm I guess I'm asking for a lot of brewers here. Why can't everybody get these sexy hops that everyone's looking for?
1: Uh, Right now, CMG is no longer sourcing Galaxy. We simply, we don't have access to it at a sustainable price. And so we'd be buying it at market value and have to obviously make a profit there as well. And it would just not be sustainable. We do hope to have it back in our portfolio someday. And like with the case of like Nelson Sovin, what people don't understand is how little acreage is dedicated to Nelson Sovin. I know like New Zealand acreage alone is, don't quote me on this directly, but I know it's smaller than some of the, the farms in the US. It's unreal how small it is. The Nelson Sauvin demand that we get right now is about 40 to 50 times what we actually have access to each year. It's insane. Contrary to what people think, we're not reserving these for large, big brand customers. That's always the misconception. If anything, we're we're doing the opposite. We're trying to quote unquote spread the love and give more people a bit of it and access it. It's really handled on a you know first come first serve basis, and if we just open it up without any limitations, it would probably just get bought up by one individual, and that simply you know isn't fair. You know the Citra and. The mosaics, you know, those more acreage is is dedicated to that. So I don't see that being in consistent short supply. As we talked about earlier, what's in short and long supply changes year over year.
0: Yeah, and I should mention too that Country Mall Group does have a really nice opportunity on the spot market as well. I and mean, we've got some older crop stuff that is very very usable and stored well, and certainly an opportunity to to find something there. What experimental or kind of new-to-market hop varieties should people be looking for, trying, or kind of, you know, watching as some of these develop?
1: I know HBC 492 is kind of a newer one out there. We do have access to supply. Uh, we got quite a bit this year as well. I know it's used in stouts mostly, so the demand is going to be as widespread as it is for IPA-type hops, but it's it's, it's a very nice a hop with you know coconut woody notes. Uh, it is a sister of Sabro, you know, and Sabro's been introduced in the market for a couple years now, which I think is an amazing hop. And I think that one's going to take off as more people access it. It's just one of those, it's it's still new to the market. The one I do think that we really need to watch out for is the HPC 692, which is uh, we're getting lots of demand it by breweries of all sizes and home brewers, but you know, supply is limited right now. We hope to access it more in the future, but I know one of its main qualities is that it's grapefruit floral notes. It's a good IPA hop. So I I see that one coming up as something that's going to be in high demand.
0: That sounds fantastic. So tell me about your favorite beer style. Is there something specific you've been enjoying lately?
1: That's always a tricky question. And the trendy answer is Whatever's in front of me, but that's true. I enjoy all beer styles. I do always enjoy an IPA, especially if I'm in the mood for something stronger. (laughs) guess it's uh, to be had when I'm having a bad day or even a good day, a strong IPA. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But really, I've been really getting to the pilsners. They're they're more challenging to make, and I just really appreciate uh, the skill that goes into making a good balanced pilsner. And it helps when you're in the mood to have multiple beers because it's a little bit lower in ABV.
0: Yeah, right. So where do, you, where do you see, I mean, obviously the IPA has been around a while and it, it really, you know, that beer style has contributed to kind of where we are with with hops. Where do you see that style going? Is it, is it going away anytime soon?
1: I would say absolutely not. Uh, you know, we may see in the U.S. a shift with people getting into the lagers and pilsners and more crushable style beers. But you got to realize it's just starting to take off globally. And there's a lot of brewers globally right now that are keen to making these IPAs and are seeking these Pacific Northwest hops.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere either. I think we'll be drinking IPAs for the rest of our life, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh it's just, it's, it's become like the basic go-to, you know, the basic go-to used to be have a Budweiser in your fridge. And now it's just like, Oh, I just always have some IPAs in the fridge.
0: <laughs> yeah. A little, little, something of everything. Exactly. Being in this industry is a, not a bad thing when you uh, want to grab some customers beers to have in the fridge. So it's great. It's funny. It's I find myself the neighborhood person that people want to know, not because I'm a nice guy or just people want to hang out. They just want to see what's in my beer fridge
1: because <laughs>
0: you know, it's nice selection. I'm sure you guys get the same thing, you and Tyler.
1: Oh, absolutely. We, we have multiple beers on tap and a fridge full of beer at all times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Victoria, it's been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. And and as discussed earlier, you, you do a fantastic job with our team and, and really take care of the customers, you and your team. And, you know, hops is one of those. It's uh, it's fun to be in, but it's, you know, it's challenging as well. There's a lot of moving parts there. And we uh, we obviously thank you for the work you do for our team. And, uh, also appreciate you coming on. Right. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, cool. We will, uh, touch base later, Victoria. I appreciate your time and, uh, make it a great rest of the week.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks again. All right. So, uh, we've talked a lot about hops today. This guest has decided to join us and really happy to have him on board to talk a little bit more about hops. Welcome Spencer. So Spencer, uh, Meyer is the East Division lead with Yakima Chief Hops, and also you're involved in the brewing innovation side as well?
3: Yeah, I do about half and half, actually. I spend kind of half my time working on the sales side in eastern North America and then half my time on brewing innovations projects and and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a split role, and it, it's worked for us so far. So. Don't forget, among those things, I'm
0: also a former customer of yours, former malt customer. So That's right. I think we <laughs> met down at uh, Oasis, I believe, down in Austin, I, or maybe earlier than that. Probably even earlier than that,
3: yeah, but uh, former brewer from the Austin area. Um, yeah, so long history with
0: working with CMG. And a wealth of knowledge, that for sure, that, that is for sure. Most of the listeners probably know of our kind of uh, partnership, if you will, but uh, we've been uh, assisting each other with, the getting some fantastic quality hops out to the market for, for a long, long time. So, Spencer, I, I really appreciate you uh, appreciate you jumping on. So it's good timing today that we're, we're talking about hops on the episode, but I thought it would be great for listeners to catch up with somebody that's, you know, right there, fingertips, if you will, on, on the pulse of what's going out there, specifically in the Northwest. But how much um, additional acreage planning to harvest this year overall, as opposed to what uh, what was in the ground last year, this time?
3: We took some relatively decisive action and some of it was extending contract deadlines and some of it was, you know, related to just acreage in general and what we felt like we needed to do to accommodate where the industry was going to be as it returned from the pandemic. And so we essentially adjusted our acreage downward in a lot of cases, static in some cases, to accommodate for that. All in all, I would say, you know, our acreage uh, went slightly down this year. U.S. acreage as a whole went slightly up and the balance will hopefully sort itself out somewhere in the middle where we have a balanced supply chain, which is what we're obviously striving for
0: on a year to year basis. Cool. cool. Um, How's the crop looking this year? and what weather and climate variables have factored into where we're at or where y'all are at. And then um, maybe how Yakima Valley is a natural protection of these hops from a lot of the weather patterns that some of the inexperienced folks that have not had the opportunity to, to visit Yakima. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, but as you know, Toby, it's a high desert environment. It's not like Washington, like you imagine if you've only been to Seattle. It's not green and mossy. It's brown and very arid. But what it means is that there's low disease pressure because there's low moisture. There's almost 350-something days of sun every year, so very little rainfall. And because the Yakima River runs through the valley and there's a vast network of ditches that were dug throughout the valley in the early 1900s, irrigation is not an issue in most years as long as adequate snowpack is available in the Cascades because the Cascade snowmelt funnels down into the Yakima River and provides irrigation water. So, Really ideal environment or in a lot of ways. It differs from other places, such as Germany, where crops are not irrigated. Most hop crops are not irrigated. Some are, but much less than the U.S. But in terms of yields this year and just overall weather conditions, we had a good year. Snowpack in the Cascades was good, uh, more than adequate. We had favorable weather, a little bit cool at the beginning, so things were a little slow to get really going, but we had good heat in the past month to really get them up to the wire and pushing out good yields. Overall quality looks really high. Experimental acreage looks really good. So just potentially some lower spot availability on some varieties if we do yield slightly soft, which is just a good reminder. And one thing that I will leave the group with, I think everyone always expects Cascade and Centennial and those other hops to kind of just be out there on the spot market as they have been in the past few years. But we just always are striving to meet brewer need. And so if contracts show that brewers need less, we're gonna plant less. And then if we go down to a certain point where there's not enough spot availability, we may end up short again, if the market really is not showing on contract what really is the true demand. So I would just encourage brewers to make sure that they do their best to try to contract responsibly on all varieties, particularly some of the older ones where we don't see as much uh, higher contracting rate these days. But overall, I think we have a lot to be really
0: optimistic about it's been a high quality year so far. Yeah, that's fantastic. Last conversation with Victoria Pritchett on our and we we had a couple minute conversation about the importance of contracting and and again coming from you is extremely important. Throwing a number out there, you may not be prepared for, it, but what percentage of North American hops come from Yakima Valley? Do you know off the top of your head?
3: I'd have to check the IHGC report or the USDA report, but I my guess would be something around 70 percent, 80 percent, somewhere in that's there. That's crazy. It's a lot. Wild. It's a lot. lot. Uh, It might not be quite that high. I mean, uh, so Idaho just surpassed Oregon two years ago as the second largest state in the country. So um, Idaho acreage has grown quite a lot. And it's not to say that Oregon acreage is diminishing. It's actually growing as well. Idaho has just come on really, really strong. There's a lot of available land out there. Yeah, I would say something like 70 percent. I think it's about. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. It's Uh, about anyway. Yeah, so 60, 70 percent,
0: 80 percent potentially. Wow.
3: It's, Still, a it's a lot yeah it's a absolutely. lot yeah
0: for sure mm-hmm. last but not least while i got you anything new and juicy to talk about coming from ych i know there's always a lot of experimentals you guys have on vine out there when i visit a- anything um anything that you're super excited about we should be looking out for
3: yeah i would point out i guess two things in specific that i am pretty jazzed about uh on a brewing innovation side so you know we have a number of like you know, products and blends and things that we're working on. But from a single varietal perspective, most people probably have seen that the variety known as Talus, which was previously known as HBC 692, been one of our elite lines for a number of years now. Very strong hop. Daughter of Sabro, just got a name, Talus. So it's officially released for commercial cultivation now beyond just the three main farms that do the experimentals. Very compelling hop for brewers for uh, several reasons. From a raw hop perspective, it brews like it smells, has this incredibly punchy, ruby red grapefruit, like scratch your thumbnail on a grapefruit skin kind of aroma. And and it translates extremely well to beer. It's a hop that just, I think, performs like uh, in a very straightforward way and in a very bold way. In some ways, I would compare it to like an extremely supercharged Centennial, Centennial Plus, maybe. It's a very compelling hop. So that one is going to be available for commercial use this year. And uh, I would say I expect big things from that. And then also, we have in the past three years taken the variety Idaho 7, which has been around for, you know, three or four, well, more than that, probably closer, maybe up to 10 years at this point. It's grown by Nate Jackson in Idaho, and we have a really good relationship with Nate and he asked us to take it into the YCR Quality Management Program, which is the same quality management program that umbrellas over, um, you know, Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic, and others. What that means for that variety is that we have it grown in multiple farms, multiple states now, and that the quality management program behind it is the uh, the best in the world, uh, in my opinion. And so I think for those that have used that variety in the past and maybe kind of never found a home for it, or maybe you've never used IDO 7 I would say give it another look. I think it's one of the varieties that I'm most bullish on for the future. It's just packed with survivables. It sits way at the top end of that chart in terms of things in a hop that make it into your beer. Excellent Whirlpool hop, excellent active firm dry hop, excellent dry hop, Uh, just a very versatile hop. So I would point you to those two things in specific as things that I think are gonna drive beer flavor
0: in the next few years. That's awesome, great, great news. Hey, Spencer, I always enjoyed chatting with you. It really affirms how much I don't know about hops. Yeah, man. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again when when all this passes. If somebody wants to know about some of these new hops, certainly reach out to uh, your CMG rep or your YCH rep for that matter, and we certainly uh, to open to giving you some more information on it. But Spencer, I do appreciate your time. If uh, the listeners hang on, we got another episode of the Whirlpool coming up. I'm gonna go grab a quick beverage and we'll jump in. I got a special guest uh, for everybody. But Spencer, thanks so much, buddy, and enjoy the rest of your uh, your day and upcoming weekend. Look forward to seeing you. Great to hear from you, Toby, and happy harvest. All right, man. Thanks for joining. And uh, from up here on the brew deck, we look forward to uh, having you join us on the next episode. Stay tuned. We'll get into Whirlpool in just a minute.
1: Representing 45 brands and over 300 malt and grain products, Country Malt Group has a variety of malts for your craft see the full lineup by visiting shop.countrymalt.com.
0: All right. Now's for my favorite time of the day. Just talk business and now uh get to jump in the old whirlpool where it's hot and steamy and i'm a bit stove up today anyways um so let's jump on in i'm uh here with my buddy adam uh adam you know what stove up means i do not it must be a southern term really it's it means you're hurt right kind of sore hurt and i think actually i think it comes from it's like the past tense of stave you know like the stave on the outside of a barrel but really they're talking about the stave of a ship when a hole is kind of blasted in the in the side of an old wooden ship yep but down here in the south we call it stove up or just sore so good time to hop in the old whirlpool so again adam thanks for joining um adam hieronymus is here with us today he is a, a hop specialist with cmg very knowledgeable about hops he deals with not only customers regarding contracts but spot purchases and just a general wealth of knowledge specifically on uh, on hops and and uh, what we have available to offer and I think you do a lot
2: of homebrewing as well right yeah I first started home brewing back in 2000 so I've now been doing it probably now. I guess that's 20 years now that I've been homebrewing, which has been a great thing to experience. Awesome. Well, I appreciate we talked a little bit about you
0: on the tail end of vacation, if you will. So I appreciate you joining us. Where'd you go?
2: Anything exciting? Yeah, well, I'm here in Vancouver, Washington, and so I'm right here on the Columbia River. And because of all this COVID stuff going on, we didn't really want to go too far, but we wanted to get away. So we just went down towards Stevenson, Washington, which is down towards the river. We found a house that's right there on the lake or on the river, I should say. And so it had a little cove. So we were able to sit out with some friends, do some hiking in the area, and then just sit in the water and enjoy it. And sounds good. It's almost an hour away too, which made it nice. (laughs) Yeah. Down here, it's almost too hot
0: to go outside. Yesterday was 89% humidity. So you walk outside and you're like melting away.
2: That sounds great. Yeah, I've lived in in green bay wisconsin for a few years and I, I couldn't stand the humidity where it'd be 100 degrees outside and 100 humidity
0: mm, cheesehead mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well cool so tell me about is there any relation at all with stan Hieronymus,
2: the author the the well-known author in several publications around beer hops etc yeah there is a relationship i have not met stan yet but what it is is my uh, grandfather Uh, was one of 12 kids in his family. Um, And our family's from the southern part of Kentucky. Of the 12 brothers, my dad is his cousin's with Stan. So that makes him, I think my second cousin, once removed, I think is what it's called. You'd have to go into those books to kind of figure those things out. But I have never met him yet, but I have met family members of his that are in the Kentucky area. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think the only... Well, he several publications, but
0: For the Love of Hops was one of them, right?
2: Yeah, and that's and I, I own that book as well. It was kind of funny because when I first got it, I was like, I own Stan. And so then I had to do some research. I asked my dad some questions and he reached out to some other people and that's how we figured out who he was related to and everything like that. So it was kind of funny to see that. I carry that book around with me just in case I ever need him so that I can get it signed by him as well.
0: Yeah, that's That's cool. I, I really don't think I have any authors in my family. I mean, I'm I'm not the, the greatest of penmanships, if you will It'd be surprising with any authors. Let's go back to talking about hops. So tell me about on the country malt group side how you joined our team and kind of what got you into this industry
2: so it was three years ago in june that i uh, got hired by country malt group i was in a position with my old company wasn't in the industry at all where i just was not happy or anything like that and i've been in like i said before i've been a home brewer for a while so i knew about like brew craft and everything which was our homebrew division with country malt group a position I saw opened up and I reached out and then had an interview with Victoria Pritchett. And from there, it's just been the greatest experience I've ever had. So it's been just a blast to be able to work in this industry. Yeah,
0: I would agree. It's a good. Good place to work for sure. And we did have a conversation with Victoria. It was great to talk to her. And she's, she's obviously uh, got a great team around her. Let's talk about, some varieties of hops, more of the non-well-known varieties that that some brewers or some folks may overlook. I mean, there's always the sexy hops, sexy varieties everyone's looking for, but I think a lot of times there are some kind of lesser known varieties out there that can really result in some fantastic aromas and flavors. What are some of those
2: on your list that you think people overlook? Two of them that come to mind that I really enjoy using myself is uh, one of them is a tanum And the other one is Laurel. Uh, Tannum, I've heard people call it the the super cascade hop. And what's kind of nice about it, it's like cascade, but the super part is that it's got the citrusy and grapefruit flavor more powerful than cascade. But it has less of the alpha. So you're getting more of just the flavor and everything out of it. And I feel it works great with other hops like Citra or Mosaic or Simcoe, where it helps enhance those flavors that are in it. And that's kind of the same thing with Laurel. Um, it's another one where it's on its own. It's good. But when you blend it with citra, for, again, it's a great example. The lemon flavors from the laurel help enhance the characteristics of citra.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of whatever it am I into. That's that's great. IPA, uh, you know, obviously it's one of those styles that is unbelievably strong and is really not going anywhere. But then you. You know, you have the kind of the onset and the popularity of the hazy, you know, the cloudy, the milkshake IPAs. Um, What are some suggestions you have or some varieties that brewers should take a look at? specifically for some of the hazies or kind of the uh, milkshake IPAs that they're doing?
2: Some of the newer hops that are coming out right now that I really am liking, like one of them is Azaka. It's got that tropical fruit flavor, papaya, that you're really going to get when you use it in the dry hop. Again, with all these hazy IPAs, the biggest part is to use them. Use almost all your hops in the dry hop part of it because that's where you're going to get your flavors and aromas from it. Other ones like cashmere is another one that's really nice and smooth but it's got a nice lemon flavor to it that really helps again if you blend it with other hops it can help balance out everything really nicely and the other thing with cashmere is it's got a nice melt tongue flavor that you get a nice mouthfeel from it too other ones like idaho seven el dorado are both been around for a little bit but they're now starting to take up a little bit more and which has been really good with them
0: what about american noble hops Tell me about those. I know there's been some chatter about it and I've seen some stuff online and I've got a little bit experience with it um, on the sales side, but I think it's kind of a group of items, if you will, that not a lot of people are familiar with. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, we'll take the two simple ones, Citra and Mosaic. It's taking those hops, but it's getting rid of the alpha in it. So their alpha is only like on average, Mosaic and Citra are usually around. 12% 12% alpha so you get that bitterness really from them and, but with the american noble ones of it it's like 2 or 3%. So it's really no bitterness at all. So you're just getting the roman flavor. When I've played with them and kind of experimented with them I've used them in lagers or in pilsners where it's like I want that classic pilsner flavor of dryness and smoothness. bubbles using these you can get that um, nice citrus tropical fruit flavor from it too
0: so do american noble style hops come from the
2: cryo process yes it is part of the cryo process and so that's the other thing that's nice it's taking the cryo form too but it's then it's just the lesser parts of it that aren't used as much i got you okay makes sense now um
0: and you, you said you, you have been brewing with some of these American nobles at home
2: with some pilsners,
0: lagers, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I've used it. Like my first tried it. I did it like in a, um, in a pale ale at first and it turned out pretty good, but the malts in the pale ale kind of the aromas from the hops and everything so I did a pilsner and I put some mosaic American noble in it and I got that bubblegum flavor which was pretty cool to get but then it was that smoothness of a pilsner malt base which was kind of nice to see Ah, oh, man that sounds fun I'm getting thirsty <laughs> is any hops that you dislike that's a good question not right
0: off. You know, yeah, the reason I, mean, that's I ask what... is because everybody's senses are different right so Some people may love a certain variety. Some people may dislike it. I mean, I know there's some varieties that people say smell like cat pee. There's some varieties that people pick up, you know, wild onions for me. And it sounds very weird. The the popular hop mosaic. The first time I had it in a beer, it was uh, very like unripe garlic or like heavy garlic to me. And a lot of people don't get that. I, I guess it's all up to the individual.
2: Now that we're talking about it, one that I just, it doesn't really do anything for me. And it's kind of crazy. Is Nelson Sobin. It's not something that I, I mean, I like it because I, I know what it's about and everything, but it's not something I'll always, I will go to. And I don't know why it's just something flavor wise. I'm just not really caring for it. I don't know if it's the wine part of it, that I'm not sure of, but yeah,
0: well, I'm sure there's people out there that would be happy that you passed on (laughs) up on it. So it's more for them potentially. Yeah,
2: that's probably what would happen. So in in your
0: day to day at Country Mall Group with the hop department, what's the most common question you get from folks calling in?
2: How are the European hops doing? Like about, I would say back in May, because that's when a lot of the European hops were starting to come in for us to provide to our customers. Uh, They're asking, we've heard weird things about the harvest and stuff. What's going on with it? So those are some questions we get. The other ones are what new hops can I get my hands on or the other questions that I get a lot of. What
0: um, you've been out to Yakima. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And had the experience of getting out there and doing some selection specifically for Country Mall Group. What was some of your your most notable takeaways and your experiences out there?
2: One of them is just the size of the hop fields themselves. It was one of the things that was amazing to see. It's just how big they are and everything like that. One thing that was cool is, as that selection, our group was testing Simcoe. And it was really interesting to see that we tested it and we chose which out of the three, which one we liked first, second, or third. And what was interesting to see was all three of those Simcos were from different states. One was from Washington, one was from Idaho, and one was from Oregon. And they're not that far away but you could tell a difference in all three. So that was something that was kind of crazy to see and was really interesting that I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. You know, that's, that was the first thing I thought of too. When I asked the question is the times I've been out, it's a terroir thing, really. So Mm -hmm. you can have, you know, five different lots of the same variety, all in different farms. Yeah. that may be a half mile apart and you can really have a distinguishable uh difference in aroma between just um you know areas of that particular variety was grown
2: it was crazy the quality of them was great there was just no real bad flaws on them but it was just there was differences which you could pick up on which was kind of interesting that you see
0: yeah so victoria and i talked a little bit about the importance of contracting Mm-hmm. You being involved in a you know, deep dive in contracting every day, what would you say to the people listening um,
2: as far as y- your take on why contracting is so important? The two things that I always tell customers about contracting, because I feel it is very important, is that one, if you contract it, you know you're going to have it. You're going to you know you're going to have your Citro. Um, you're not going to have to worry about. Happen to find it on the market. The other thing is, you got to set price then, too. So, you've already got the price set in. There's not going to be any changes with it. So, you've got the product and the price, and then you're set to brew what you need to do for that year.
0: On top of that, too, is you're giving the grower an opportunity to put their thoughts together and figure out exactly what they're going to put in the ground. A big plus. Contracting as far as Country mall Group is concerned is our distribution center. We have cold storage in every, every distribution site. So we will house those contracted hops at that facility where you order other products such as malt grains et cetera, and be able to order those at will and pull them right out of storage conditions that are definitely consistent.
2: What are some of your um, favorite styles of beer right now? What are, what are you drinking? Uh, because it is so hot right now. I'm really liking the loggers, American loggers, and some Colches right now. I'm really enjoying those that have been pretty good. There's a few breweries in this area hitting some really good ones and I'm really enjoying them right now. What would some of those be? Give them a plug. Yeah. Uh, 5440s Colch is a really good one that I'm really enjoying. And then Lewitt Brewing um, has the one that's called Lewitt Lager. And what's kind of cool about it is you're from the area, or if you remember Lucky Brewing back in the days, it looks like the old Lucky Brewing can, but it's got Mount St. Helens in the background. It's kind of cool. And then the Indian term for Mount St. Helens is Lewitt. So it's kind of something that goes hand-in-hand in in this area.
0: I spent a lot of time at Lewitt in meetings up there in Vanua. Great place. Very good.
2: Well, Adam, I appreciate it. I know you're on the tail end
0: of PTO and want you to be able to take advantage of that. But I, I do appreciate your time jumping in the whirlpool with me. It's a great way to, to end a Friday. Oh, so,
2: yes. Thank uh, you for, for having me.
0: I appreciate no it. No problem. I, I look forward to chatting with you pretty soon. And, and for those of you listening that want some more information on uh, HOPs, as far as Country Malt Group is concerned, reach out to your territory manager. Uh, Adam is also available. He's, uh, like I said, he's a wealth of knowledge and is very interested in all things hops. So uh, connect with us. We'll answer any questions you have and love to work with you. Adam, I appreciate it and uh, have a great rest of the weekend.
2: Yeah, hey, thank you, Toby.
0: Well, all this talk about hops today has got me a bit parched. And, uh, Honestly, my fingers are getting a bit pruned, if you will, from being in this hot water in the Whirlpool, so I think it's about time to get out and go find me a nice IPA. Anywho, thanks to Country Malt Group for powering the Whirlpool, as always, keeping the jets going and and the bubbles. It's always nice. Uh, We look forward to seeing everybody on the next Whirlpool session. Please join us. Again, I'm your host, Toby Tucker. Have a good one. Cheers.